Hey there, wherever you are, however you're listening, you've arrived. The DC Comics News Podcast. It's our weekly edition, episode number 139, bringing you all the best from DC Comics and movies, TV, streaming, comic books, and sometimes a little bit more. We'll have to see if we have that for you this week. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. Happy to be hanging out with you and to be joined by two of the most amazing. I'm talking about Brad Felicki. Brad, how you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing good. And how are you? I'm doing well, charging along, right. lighting that caffeine high. And then, of course, we are joined by the always, the amazing Mr. Steve J. Ray. Sir, how are you? I'm bloody marvelous. Greetings, citizens. Ah, <laughs> uh, citizens. Enjoy. You have been greeted. Welcome. We always like to start things off with all the fun we have in movie news. I'm going to be taking the charge on that one for you, leading you through our list and talking about our first story, one in which Ava DuVernay has revealed uh, what exactly was going on and the terms that led to the cancellation of New Gods. Um I was pretty interested in uh, what this story could be talking about. Brad, what what was it talking about? What did you think about it? Uh, you know, I am very curious. They said it was canceled because there was another movie already dealing with some of these cosmic elements that New Gods was dealing with. So it makes me wonder, is it something that we don't know about yet? Uh, or could it be Shazam or Black Adam? So... Uh, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm very curious. I'm still bummed that it was canceled because I'd still love to see it, but I am, you know, curious exactly what this project is. Uh, what about you, Steve? Now, I'm really hopeful that it's going to be Flash or Black Adam or one of the upcoming films. What I'm hoping is, um, because I don't know whether, because if memory serves, the announcement that New Gods was canceled came just shortly before HBO Max confirmed that they would be airing the Snyder Cut. And we know that Darkseid played a pretty prominent role in that film. So is it just because they decided to release the Snyder Cut? I'm hoping not. I'm really hoping, like you said, Brad, that one of the new films we're getting will have an uh, apocalyptic element to it. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) But, you know, the world is our mollusk in terms of the films that are coming out, the things we're going to see. So I'm hoping that one day we just get to see more of the new gods, that granny goodness tease in Zack Snyder's Justice League, all the other characters we haven't seen yet. Come on, Scott and Barda, we need them. And ask Kelly, she'll tell you, we need Scott and Barda. So let's see, I'm going to remain hopeful. And obviously, who does hope better than Seth? What do you think, Seth? I'm here to inspire simply by a little desire. Yeah, man, I'm always going to be hopeful. I mean, one of the first things that popped in my head was, sure, there's plenty of different ways you can take what this story is offering up. And I enjoyed what both of you suggested and the ideas surrounding it. Steve, I've seen a little bit of chatter about what you're referring to. You know, the idea of a lot of speculation going on out there. You know, does this have a connection to the Snyder Cut? Was this... A response because there was an intention to have other characters and some sort of overlap or some other issue hopefully it's not i agree with you both i'm hopeful that it, it is something different i immediately thought wow wouldn't it be cool if this means that they you know want to do something else with a project like say 
the stuff I loved in Justice League Odyssey with Jessica Cruz and Darkseid, which was just so awesome. It completely changed uh, a great deal about the possibility of the character and its energy. Um, what else could there be? I mean, Scott Free and Barta, it's, it's really hard to say no to that. And I, I think there's a, a lot of fun to be had with a uh, escape artist who we recently have been able to enjoy on, say, Why the Last Man? And maybe taking to that nth degree that we get with a mother box and, and the great story of somebody who's persevering constantly trying to escape. From, I mean, yeah, that would be very exciting. So I think there's a lot of uh, ideas I would hope for being the reason instead of it being, you know, something as uh, in, in reactionary response to. Now, we are going to be talking about whether or not different reasons played into other projects and and how things developed. But before we get to the next one of those, here's a story that I feel <laughs> is always a great reason to feel hopeful. And that's the announcement that uh, Michael B. Jordan's Val Zod Superman film has just picked up some writers. Brad, what do you think about this announcement? Uh, I, uh, this, you know, um, it, so Darnell Menier and, Josh Peters, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Uh, they got some really cool stuff in in the works. They've sold a show called NOLA to Amazon Prime, and Sam Raimi's going to be directing that, and they sold a one-hour pilot based on uh, the General Hannibal, and they've worked on the new Transformers movie that's coming out. So they've got a lot of cool stuff on the way from these writers. Um you know, uh, but at this point, I think we're so early in the production. I think that my main takeaway from this story is that it's moving forward because now we have writers attached to it. So that makes it that much more tangible. So, uh, I, you know, I'm excited about that. And, um, you know, it'll be cool to see, you know, what they come up with and if that's something that they use for the finished movie or, you know, how, how that all shakes out. But it does give me a sense of optimism. What about you, Steve? Yeah, exactly that. The fact that there's news, there's forward progress. Writers and writers who are hot right now, hot writers, like you said, who've got projects coming out of their ears, who are working hard and producing some good stuff. Because I will say that even though Michael Bay's Transformers movies um, fluctuated greatly in terms of quality, and that's being quite kind, the last one, the Bumblebee one, was actually the closest to the classic Transformers of the animated series and the comic books out of all of them. So if these guys are tapped to write a Superman movie featuring the Superman of Earth 2 after the New 52, Val Zod, well, yeah, definitely excited, definitely interested, definitely want to see what they bring to the table. And with Michael B. Jordan producing, and please, please let him change his mind, let him want to star as well. Yeah, I'm all in. What about you, Seth? Definitely. I mean, adding new writers is just a sign to me that, you know, you're developing this from the ground up, that you're going to be you know, exploring a lot of fun ideas. You're going to have executive producer that's going to have a substantial hand in this, I feel. We'll see how substantial it ends up being. So, Brad, I, Steve, I agree with you both. You know, it's, it's a great announcement. It's encouraging. The one thing that I'm most intrigued about is that I haven't seen a lot of their work. Um, I didn't see Transformers Rise of the Beast, and I'm not familiar with NOLA or the uh, the Hannibal project. And I think the fun thing about that is the discovery if either of those projects come out before 
the Valzad Superman if they are released and we get a chance to see a little bit of their style and maybe get an understanding of how they approach things, it can be interesting then to use that as a lens for the uh, Valzad project. So that's the one thing that caught my interest the most. It was like, wow, without knowing much about you, I'm now intrigued to see what of yours I can catch before this project uh, gets further along and get an idea of what possibly there could be in store for fans. And that's always kind of a fun thing to do. So again, positive development, looking forward to seeing what it could lead to and the, uh, the body of work that's already in the works for these guys, as you both said, very exciting, looking forward to seeing uh, what it is they are putting together and what we'll get a chance to take a peek at. So remember how I mentioned that, you know, there's what was hoped for, there's what was planned, and then there's what happens. Well, that other story I mentioned is now on our list next up. And I'm talking about the fact that James Wan has revealed that the Trench movie was a secret Black Manta movie. Brad, what do you think about this announcement and how it is Black Manta's story is still able to continue in ways? Um, I... Love the idea of a Black Manta movie. I don't. My question is, why did they have to keep that a secret when he announced it? Why, um, you know, why didn't he say, "Oh, it's going to be a Black Manta movie"? I wonder what his reasoning was, kind of behind that. And yeah, I think that um, it's going to be cool to see the character's story continue in the second Aquaman movie because uh, we didn't get enough Black Manta in the first Aquaman. Uh, so it'll, it'll be nice to see him taking more of a central role in uh, in the next one. So. Um, yeah, it's another one of those things. I'm kind of bummed it didn't happen, but, you know, we just got to roll with those punches. What about you, Steve? Exactly what you just said. Um, when they announced the cancellation of both New Gods and the Trench movie, I thought, oh, man, that's two films that I was really kind of looking forward to. I mean, when I first heard of the Trench, I thought a horror movie burst in the DC Universe. Do we really want that? But the more I thought about it, I thought, well, yeah. A horror movie based in the DC Universe. Why don't we have that? We had Joker, which totally went out of left field compared to all other comic book movies. Why not go down the horror route as well? And now it was going to be a Black Manta movie. Oh, I'm actually even more disappointed now. But like you said, Black Manta grew in his small part in the first film and became more and more threatening with every appearance. He's going to be the main baddie in Aquaman 2. So... He'll get his chance to shine. He's got his own miniseries in comic books right now. Good time to be a Black Manta fan. Mm, someone I know frequently says words like that. Who could that be, Brad? I just don't know. But what about you, Seth? Do you think now is a good time to be a DC fan in general? I believe that that is an echo that I've heard spoken once before. Nay, perhaps twice. Hmm. I'll have to ponder, ponder, question. I wonder, I wonder. Shall I discover? Yeah, Steve, I, I think it's a great time to be a DC Comics fan, great time to be a Black Manta fan, to paraphrase a good friend of ours. I think it's interesting what, Brad, you said that I, I couldn't stop hearing once you said it was, why was this a secret when the announcement was made? It's easy to speculate, oh, it's because they hadn't decided on, you know, how things were going to play out in the Aquaman 2 movie. They weren't sure if they could continue this. I don't know what the reason is but it's an interesting question now it's like why did that just drop the way it did you know with that i'll tell you a secret this was supposed to be that okay moving along <laughs> but why was it a secret yeah i'm gonna you know steve as you mentioned uh, 
the key is we'll get to see more of Black Manta. Every time he appeared in the first movie, he was more dangerous, more threatening. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they explore because the Black Manta series that they've had right now in comics has been a great deal of fun. And I really enjoyed the development. I think it, for me, it makes me wonder what the possibilities for the character can be afterwards. And I like that possibility now as far as uh, the cinematic character. Could there be a Black Manta spinoff after Aquaman 2? I think that'd be something fans might really be really into. And if there's enough fan-generated interest by the Black Manta comic series, well, I mean, who doesn't want more of that thing that uh, makes it so great to be a DC Comics fan, right? <laughs> With all of that in mind, um, I, I'm still going to be stuck just pondering over Brad's question, which is, yeah, but still, like, get back to us on that. Um, why was it a secret? Anyways, something that is not a secret is the announcement that Jason Momoa reportedly tests positive for COVID-19 on the Aquaman 2 set. Did this story, because uh, I love it when it says reportedly. So did this story ever end up fleshing that out for you, Brad? Like, are we confirmed he, he tested positive for COVID-19? Well, I'm guessing he did. Um, but, you know, I don't wish COVID on anybody, but... I think that if anybody has the physical wherewithal to deal with COVID, it would be Jason Momoa. So it does say in the article that he did not have any symptoms. So that is good to good to hear. Uh, you know, I wish him a quick recovery. I hope that he does, you know, continues to not show symptoms. Uh, and, you know, I hope that the production can uh, continue and, you know, keep on uh, keep on track. Uh, you know, this COVID is still something that has not gone away. And, you know, we always get these kind of constant reminders that we still have to, you know, still have to be careful. Uh, what about you, Steve? Mr. Momoa, speedy recovery. I hope you, your family, the children, everyone's safe and you get well soon, sir, because recently saw June. He's great in that. I took a bit of getting used to seeing him clean shaven that was a bit jarring but uh mr momoa uh we're fans here and you just come across as a great guy someone who's fun to work with and uh, aquaman was great got great expectations for the sequel so get well soon sir um can't wait to see you back at work back on the screen and like you said brad the fact that he's asymptomatic is a good sign that his immune system is already fighting and defeating this virus but hey to all those weirdos out there who don't want to wear masks, who half wear masks, who believe in fairies over science and that think that COVID is over, um, is flu over? It's been around for hundreds of years. It just doesn't kill you anymore. It's the same with COVID. It's going to be there forever, but hopefully it will be long fatal. So, Mr. Moa, we salute you. Speedy recovery, sir. What do you make of this story, sir? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you both. I think the great thing is that he's asymptomatic. And I'm going to be honest, I was a little annoyed when I was reading the uh, headline this time, just noticing that it says reportedly tests. Okay, it's been reported in another publication. So that should be, I believe, fairly concrete. But we, you know, as I read through the rest of the article, I didn't enjoy that it was, you know, insiders told the paper. Why isn't this a just a very clear public statement? Followed by there's no word on when he first tested positive. I mean, when it comes to public health information, I understand there's parts of it that's private, there's parts of it that public, but I, I don't need think we need in 
with everything that uh, is being said. I think adding mystery to somebody's COVID-19 positive test result just gives people reasons. It just does. I don't understand why. I just don't like the fact that there had to be more mystery in this story than I believed was necessary. And I think it also detracts from the fact that the important part is, yes, he tested positive and yes, he's asymptomatic, which means that hopefully he can take advantage of the early notice, rest now before symptoms develop and keep this from turning into something worse. I think it's one of the advantages of consistent testing. I think it's one of the reasons why we practice smart, healthy health practices and and also why we can rely on them to produce great results. And it's one of the reasons why I just sort of was like, all right, all right, I'm glad you guys are reporting the positive things. I just don't think you needed to hide them or to try and obfuscate them in any way. And that's it, my annoyance is done. I'm wishing him also speedy recovery. And and I think that the the fact that he's able to immediately rest and give his body the chance to fight back before symptoms develop is a great positive. And it's, again, one of those things that says, hey, testing works, you know, treating this thing seriously works. Let that be a great reminder. And with that, off the soapbox, stepping back onto the concrete, happy to announce this one, which I thought was really great. Brendan Fraser has been cast as the villain in Batgirl. Brad, what do you think about this announcement? The fact that we just seem to be getting more and more Brendan Fraser, or is that me? You know, I I love the story because lately my Facebook newsfeed has been flooded with. Brendan Fraser is great stories, whether it's just regular news reports of things that he's doing or people sharing stories. So it's good to see him come kind of back full force, you know, Doom Patrol and now this. And I I think he's going to have fun with playing a villain. So I think that's going to be fun to see. Now, Steve, I may ask you if you have any inklings of who he might play do you think he will play firefly or do you think he'll play someone else well more and more news coming out of hollywood and uh i've, I've been checking all the other news feeds that i can with this guy this story because like you brad this to me is good news brendan fraser is one of those guys who i just adore and it seems the whole world does too so everything is pointing towards firefly i would have loved to have seen him in play falcone to be honest but uh hey Firefly is wackadoo. He is bonkers. He sees beautiful women in the flames. He finds beauty in burning. So fascinating character to play. And we know that Brendan can do wacky. We know that Brendan can do crazy. Can he do dark? Um, the closest I've seen was in a uh, show where he played. Well, he wasn't even a villain. He was someone that someone else imagined him to be a villain when he wasn't a villain at all because the main character was going to Lally. But hey, let's not go there. So I know Brendan Fraser can act. I'm a Brendan Fraser fan. I'm invested. And when you say, like you said on Facebook, all you're seeing is Brendan Fraser news. One of the best things I saw in recent months was a meme which at first shocked me. I thought, oh, no, oh, no, not another one. A meme that said, um, Brendan Fraser accused and it's all true and then read down is Brendan Fraser is one of the nicest men on the whole world <laughs> and I thought, oh, oh phew oh no I thought I was gonna get another piece of bad news where a hero of mine turns out to be a sleazebag but hey Brendan Fraser is a wonderful human being and that's what his colleagues say about him 
bring on the bad guys, bring on the bad girl. I can't wait. Seth, what about you, sir? I think it's amazing news. I think the renaissance of uh, Brendan Fraser, the renaissance is just wonderful. I mean, I like that. Yes, yes. You know what? I, I, I share these things freely. Go spread them. Let's have fun. Um, Trademark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I've loved the fact that that his return has been met with so much admiration and aplomb. And Steve, you, you you were spot on when I saw that story headline too. Like, you know, the secret's out. It's all true. Everything you thought possible. Brendan Favor really is the nicest guy in the world. <laughs> like, that was such a, a wonderfully encouraging, like, see, social media, you can do good stuff. See, you can do it. Just try a little harder. It's okay. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> but his appearance on Doom Patrol and the way he has really embraced so much fun of the zaniness that, that now is identifiable with Cliff just so clearly. And uh, in more recent episodes with uh, even Brendan himself in the flesh, literally. Um, I've also loved the other appearances he's made. He was recently in a, uh, I believe it was a Soderbergh film on uh, HBO Max, which it was a brief appearance, but he just totally stole the scene. Just, it was wonderful. And I, I love the suggestions you were both providing about, you know, Falcone or Firefly. I could definitely see the Falcone. I think he's got the gravitas to really be powerful and menacing, you know, while sitting in the booth of a restaurant, while sitting uh, behind the desk. But I also think he, with Doom Patrol, has proven that he can really embrace a character that can be down, that you care about, and yet at the same time is struggling with something that well, he's going to put him at odds with other characters. And I think he could really bring that to life with Firefly. So I'm I'm looking forward to his portrayal of the villain on uh, Batgirl. And I love that this announcement, just, just like we were talking before about the Valzad Superman and the idea of, wow, writers means great progress. I feel that when you're bringing on someone like Brendan Fraser, you know, you're you're really sort of like pouring the gas on the fire now. Like, are you excited? because <laughs> like it's only going to get better from here you know eventually there's going to be costume appearances there's going to be um you know scenes from filming i i just love that it's the momentum that you really start to feel pick up with an announcement like that uh, i know i'm feeling it i can hear it in you guys and i love that momentum is something that can carry us to some really great places which is why it's so much fun to talk about the places uh, some recent DC projects have been recognized for and the achievements they've reached. Talking about the fact that Joker and three CWDC actors have recently become award winners. Brad, what do you think about the story and the awards that were given out and who they were given to? Uh, I really like the story. One, because I don't know what rock I've been living under, but I had never heard of the Saturn Awards before now. And I love that they exist because genre film and television a lot of times has an uphill battle when it comes to some of the more established award shows. Uh, you know, it took a long time for them to get respect in a lot of ways they still don't. So it's good that they have their own awards. And uh, I like it as well because it shows that as a podcast, we've got good taste because we've talked about Joker wins. We've talked about 
how much we've liked, you know, loved the Joker film. Uh, we talked, you know, uh, John Cryer won uh, for Supergirl, and we all talked about how great his Lex Luthor is. We all love Stargirl and Brett Bassinger, who won for Best Younger TV Actor. And and Danielle Hanebecker is the heart of a show that has so much heart, as is uh, in The Flash. So uh, congratulations to them, and I'm glad that, um, it, you know, that DC is represented, because it would be a shame if it wasn't, because like we always say, it's a great time to be a DC fan. The content that is being produced is really, uh, is really top notch. What about you, Steve? Oh, everything Brad just said. Joker, just when we thought it couldn't win any more awards, boom, Saturn re- runs rings around everyone else. I'm sorry. Um, fantastic news. Well deserved. And like you said, John Cryer really silenced his critics after his quite terrifying turn in Superman 4. He turns out to be one of the best Lex Luthers we have ever seen. Uh, Breck Bassinger, oh, come on, Stargirl is just a comic book come to life, and it's largely down to that talented, talented young lady. And like I said, like you said, Brad, the Saturn Awards just seem to embrace a whole range of not just the kind of stuff that we love, but older, younger TV movies and everything in between. Best guest star for John Cryer, best younger actor for Breck Passing Joan, of course, my favourite personal one, like you said, Daniel Panabaker's Caitlin Frost. Caitlin Snow is the heart and soul of that show and has been since season one and even before when she was a supporting character on Arrow. I adore Danielle, one of the nicest people I've ever met and interviewed for DC Comics News. Look, uh, look out for that interview, listeners, if you can. Wonderful lady who does a lot for charity. She isn't just a hero on TV. She's a hero in real life. Plus the Joker Award as well. Boom. Happy. What about you, Seth? Great announcements. I first became aware of the Saturn Awards back in the early mid-90s. I was a big sucker for the show Farscape. And Ben Browder and uh, the writers behind that just and so I would look for anything. And so I, I was always pitching this to people like you got to check it out. I remember when they once I was like, see, Saturn Awards people are like, I don't know who who are is that's is this what are you talking about? So that's that was my earliest connection to the Saturn Awards. And I love it whenever a project gets recognized because I feel that one of the things they really grasp is the heart of a performance, how that can shine through, um, you know, the best of what you'd expect from a genre when you see uh, the amazing performances that just sort of surpass that expectation. Breck Basinger really has brought Stargirl to life for me. I can't get enough of that show. Danielle Panabaker is, as you said, Brad, most definitely the heart in a show full of heart. I mean, you know, uh, all it's going to take is the right scenario when she says, run, Barry, run, and I'm going to break my heart. Like, I'm just going to be like, all right, it's, it's over. Give me all the tissues and go away. Go away. Um, I, I really think that there are some great considerations and, and Steve talk about a redemption story that you just brought in, man, from Superman four to Supergirl. Like, wow, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. As soon as you said it, I just saw him in a really bad suit acting. Well, if you can call it that, no, (laughs) I'm not going to go down that road, but I just had these flashbacks of Superman four quest for peace. And then, you know, just. Well, let's just say that whenever I think of that, there are 
one or two moments that appear in my head, followed by Steve J. Ray saying, um, Miss, oh, what's her name again, Steve? Miss, Miss, it starts with a T. Miss Hasmager! Swear to, swear to you, every time I see John Cryer's name, <laughs> that's the next thing I hear in my head. I'm like, oh, yeah, Lex Luthor. And then Miss Tessmacher. So with that, yeah, I'm really excited for the announcements. And again, as you said, both so well. Like when you, you thought it couldn't, you know, just you, you kind of thought the awards were over for Joker 3. Nope, nope. It's almost a year later. Maybe it is quite a year later. I have no concept of time. Ask anyone and when we try and book these things or schedule them with any sort of a time zone consideration. I'm always like one to six hours off. So just know that about me. Know that. And know that I have no concept of time. So I don't know how long it's been since Joker came out. But here we are so many months later, I'm guessing, because, again, time. Uh, it's getting still awards. I love the uh, I love the recognition. I love the announcement. I love when we get to end on such a positive note for our movie section. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be back because we have so much more coming your way right after these great ads. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Picture this, someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra-comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC Universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth <laughs> joke. <laughs> ears hoping. <laughs> We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you cuff. want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's, that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. 
No, I didn't watch. God damn it. Look, all right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un, unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. Available exclusively on YouTube. And we are back as promised. Hey, tag, you're it, Steve. But I don't got cooties, so it's all fine. Welcome <laughs> back. This is episode 139 of the DC Comics News Podcast. And now, after talking about the big screen, let's talk some TV. And we'll start with Young Justice Continuity being slightly tied into the new Catwoman Hunted animated movie in the style of anime. Now, this one's got me very intrigued. What about you, Brad? Yeah, uh, it makes me really think that I need to catch up on Young Justice, just bite that bullet and just dive in, um, because I, I, I'm, I'm still behind. So, yeah, that makes me really want to watch Young Justice. And I like that concept of the idea of being continuity adjacent, so not necessarily in the same world as Young Justice, but in a world where things that happened in Young Justice have happened. I think that is a really cool idea that can be used in other, uh, like in comics. You know, I, I, I would still <laughs> like to revisit the Christopher Nolan Batman world, so we could do an adjacent story uh, of some of the other Gotham villains. I mean, there's just so much you could do, so I, I really like that new concept of being uh, continuity adjacent. I think that there's a lot of fun to be had with that uh and yeah and i i'm definitely looking forward to uh to catwoman hunted what about you Seth? i love the concept as well what's the slightest variation mean you know what is just one decision and not some dramatic bringing someone back from life but just you know at that moment i chose to do a or do b and there it is right the, the choices made all the difference. And with an adjacent world, how you could see so many of the similarities with just the slightest changes, but significant enough that they, they, they register for us and they, they sort of give us that, just that slightest of, you know, recognition between the two. And I'm just going to say this, Brad, like Young Justice, it, it's the thing. It's the thing that that keeps the fires always lit, like the whole home fire, the heart fire, the the hope fire. Uh, it's young justice. If I am in a place where I need more, that's a, a guaranteed go to. And this season, man, it's it's been quite lovely. I'm I'm grateful every time I get to see a new episode or I rewatch it. And uh, yeah, man, dive on in like go for it. <laughs> Steve, what did you think? Listen to Seth, Brad. Watch Young Justice. You know how I feel about Batman the Animated Series? Young Justice is right up there. Honestly, no exaggeration. That show is awesome. So do, do, do catch up. Um, yeah, 
absolutely it's a show that you need to catch up on and i like what you both said continuity adjacent is one of my favorite new phrases and i'm going to be stealing it and using it it to me means a different leg down the trousers or down the pants of time it means uh, easter eggs galore it means that one slight decision turn left and you would have got those powers turn right and you'd have been a janitor at a school it just doesn't you just don't know which way it's going to go and the fact that these decisions make the multiverse and the fact that the multiverse is spreading from comic books to the screen, as a comic book fan, that just makes me happy, and it wants me wants me make me read more, and wants me make well, oh my god, I can't even speak today. I'm so excited. It wants me wants to make me watch more. So, winner, 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 chicken dinner. Now, this is a story that had me saying, well, it's about damn time. I've been watching Supergirl since day one. I'm really sad it's going, but a character that appeared and shook the foundations of the universe in season one is finally coming back. Yes, it's the return of Lois Lane's little sister. Brad, what'd you make of this story? Uh, I really love this idea of her coming back. Because, I, I, you know, I kind of wondered as they were setting up the Superman and Lois show if they were going to bring her back. And... Uh, you know, welcome back. That's what I said. I think that the show uh, kind of needs her because it would, st- you know, be that kind of unanswered question. So uh, I love that she's coming back. I'm really looking forward to the second season. The first season was uh, a lot better than I was expecting it to be uh, through my own expectations. So, yeah, I, I, I'm i totally down to see uh, her come back for season two. What about you, Seth? Ooh, boy. I... Okay, if it wouldn't set the dogs barking, I would be hip hop bouncing all like tippity tiptoe bouncing all over the floor. Because when you make a decision like this, you open the doors to everything else. Right. And one of my favorite moments on Supergirl this past season was having Diggle appear. And just that great moment, that great sort of connection to Arrow. so much I loved about the character that I missed about the character that made me think, where else could he be showing up later on what other shows? So not only do I love the fact that um, we have a character coming from Supergirl over to Superman and Lois, but also the possibility that in making that connection, we now open the door for, I mean, well, who else could come along? And how could this uh, expand opportunities for us to see Superman and Lois maybe visit a few locales every once in a while, depending on uh, the needs of the story to bring in other characters we've enjoyed so much. I, I I love it for those reasons, and I can't stop thinking to myself, what else could this mean? But also, as you mentioned, Brad, I love the fact that we get a chance to you know, continue her story as we got to enjoy it in uh, Supergirl, and now we'll get to see what's been happening. Since she's been, I mean, clearly, according to this story, she's been busy working on other projects also. But bringing her over to Superman and Lois for me feels like not only an opportunity to catch up with her, but an opportunity to open the door for a lot of other great uh, CW, Arrowverse, CWverse characters to uh, maybe pay a visit as well. Or who knows how they could end up being a part of Superman and Lois. That's, I think, the excitement for me. Yep, throw another log on the hope fire. I'm there. Steve, how about you? Everything you both just said, 
absolutely. Well, for a start, uh, Jenna Dewan was was superb in um, in in her original appearances on Supergirl, and the fact that Lucy Lane's always been there in the comics um, means that yeah, absolutely, she should be a part of Superman and Lois. Um, always arguably feistier and more of a troublemaker than her sister but not in a cool way in a more annoying way it just builds storytelling uh possibilities it builds tension it builds character builds just so many ways a story can be taken and as fans who love stories the three of us and the two ladies who frequently on the show appear on the show with us means that hey Superman and Lois season two could be even bigger and better than season one was. And like you said, Brad, season one was a revelation. I was not expecting much of it, but now I can thankfully and hopefully say that it will bury Clark and Lois, the new adventures of Superman forever because um, Dean Kane has disappointed me <laughs> as an actor and as a human being. And uh, I will never watch anything of his ever again, but along comes Tyler Hecklin as Honestly, I never thought he'd be half the Superman he's turned out to be, and he was wonderful as Super Dad and as Clark and as Superman. So, bring it on, Lucy Lane. Welcome to the family. But, but uh, I also liked something you said, Seth, about other characters and other appearances and more of a crossover feel. And well, Armageddon is coming, so I'm getting out of here and letting Brad take the mic. Brad. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this synopsis seems kind of cool. Uh, we're going to get Ray Palmer in the first episode. And, man, they have not done a bad crossover event in the CW uh, with these shows. And even though this one's going to be slightly smaller than we've gotten in the past, I'm still all on board. Uh, looks like there's going to be some kind of alien invasion, as there seems to always be. And they're going to need Ray Palmer's help to figure it out in the first um, the, the first installment. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this uh, to this crossover. Uh, what about you, Seth? Yes, definitely am. Was I seeding this earlier? I do not do not know. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I love these crossovers. Um, they, they haven't done a bad one yet. I, I love the concept. Um, and just the little teaser I saw from the uh, the one preview that I've seen on a couple of occasions. Um, one, hearing Black Lightning say, run, Barry, run. Ah, just heart did a little flutter. Like, it, it was it was one of those really just, ah, way to pull up the heartstrings, guys. Way to just, like, suck me right in, like, guaranteed. <laughs> um, and probably the second was, hey, have you been working out? Thank you for noticing. Thank you. Um, those two little bits of just light humor in the midst of this, well, you know, earth shattering storyline, I, I think for me, just, you know, highlighted what I love about these crossovers, why I'm excited for this one. And I'm hopeful that they could lead to something else. I, I never know exactly what those number of things are that the people who look at the numbers and then use them to make decisions are, are looking for. But I hope that those numbers, however they need to show up in such a way that we get a showcase of some kind. We see more Black Lightning. We see more team-ups. Even if the shows aren't on the air full-time, does that mean they have to go away for good? Could there could there be threads that spin out of this? And yeah, those are those those are those threads I hold on to. Sometimes, sometimes they don't always hold, 
But when they do, you know, tighten your grip, tighten your grip. It's it's worth it. Steve, what do you think about this? So many thoughts. And one of them is, damn, how old am I? Because obviously everybody talks about Crisis on Infinite Earths, Final Crisis, Infinite Crisis. But the CW shows have been bold enough to do an adaptation of Invasion. And now they're going to be doing Armageddon 2001. And yes, that was a major storyline, a major crossover back in 2001, whole 20 years ago. For those my age who remember that storyline and the rise of Monarch, the um, big bad of that era in DC Comics means that are they going to be sticking closely to that story? Are we going to be seeing Monarch invade the DC TV universe? Whatever the case I'm there. The synopsis is exciting. Like you both said, these Flash crossovers, these Arrowverse crossovers have all been absolutely stellar, from the tiny weeny ones to the massive ones to the legend that was the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover from a couple of years back. So I'm excited. But as an old comic book reader, damn, if they are adapting Armageddon 2001, that's what it sounds like by this article. It says, yeah, this isn't just another comics adaptation. Then, yeah, I am all in do either of you guys remember that story that was the first appearance of wave rider that was thomas rider that was the first crossover i collected because i had just started getting into comics and like mm-hmm. that was the one i i got them all across the the titles in fact i lost my stuff uh when they didn't <laughs> come out with the uh hawk and dove one right away i was like what's with the delay I mm-hmm. like got the checklist. It's supposed yep. to be here. And then really realizing later how that seeded so much of what would be the final storyline. I didn't realize they were going with the 2001 part because, one, the 2001's missing for me. Clearly, in my brain, I see mm-hmm. those two connected. And the other part is I was never sure it was something they would go after after they've had uh-huh. Wave exactly. Rider become the name of the ship on uh, Legends of Tomorrow. So I'm intrigued now what parts of it they are going to pull from, what they're not. And if they did some fun little time thingy with Wave Rider becoming, uh, I would really embrace it. Because then we could talk about some other fun stuff, you know, and see some other fun characters that we know inhabit the timeline, play very specific roles, you know, that I thought we would have seen on Legends. I'm going to go nuts here for a minute because I hadn't hoped beyond that it could actually be 2001. And when you said it, I was like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? That's what they're doing? That's This is what the... <laughs> oh, yeah. And I remember reading all of those issues cover to cover. You know, every time a new one came out, I would read it and then I would read all, read all the rest because that was my first crossover, man. That was my first big, like, crossover. Ah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Now, now I have so much more excitement for the potential behind this because I loved seeing all of those great future glimpses. And I, I loved... How for me, I felt like that was such a precursor to Elseworlds in so yeah. many ways. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and seeing those just, man, it did so much for me. I'll, I'll never, to this day, I will never forget the Batman one. Just, it was such a, such a dark turn. I remember just being blown. Uh, okay, I'm calming down. Brad, I know you might have. <laughs> you know, I honestly. I was, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> honestly, I don't remember it because that came out. You said, Stephen, 2001. 20 years ago, yeah. And that was at a period where I was not collecting. There was like a window from like 1990, 
nine until 2005, where I wasn't collecting that much outside of some trades on, from Vertigo here and there. So that, uh, that I'm kind of bummed that that kind of missed me. I hope they have a oh, trade of it. I, I see I'm a sure trade coming out. Definitely, because yeah. this article states it's not just an adaptation of the comic. So that means, well, the only Armageddon I can remember is Armageddon 2001, which was huge because it was like a natural sequel to Crisis, but also, like you said, like a precursor to the Elseworlds. And the fact that Monarch and the whole Hank Hall reveal, um, does that mean a possible tie-in or a continuity adjacent thing to Titans? You know, the possibilities are endless. So uh, as a comic book nerd, oh boy, yeah, sign me up. Very, very excited. Yeah, I, I did love Invasion, though. I was, I was oh, yeah. happy to see them adapt that. So, yeah. Yes. But, yeah. Uh, hopefully we'll see Panic in the Sky next. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything is rad. possible. Definitely. <laughs> or Superman Red, <laughs> Superman Blue. Mm, I'd like that. Oh, Clark with yeah. no powers. Yeah, I'm there. But anyway, we digress. Let's talk about actual news, not stuff that we want to make up and write ourselves. Let's talk about um, that show we mentioned recently, Young Justice. Now, uh, yes, the new season, you can catch a lot of it already, but uh, it looks like we're going to have to wait for the second half. Brad, what do you make of this tour? You know, again, uh, I'm hoping that Maybe I will have time to catch up on everything before that comes out in the spring. So that would be cool. And I think um, that's not too, too long to wait, really. Um, it'll be here before, you know, before you know it. So um, I'm glad it's not in the summer or next fall, you know, that we didn't have to wait a whole year, things like that. So, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, it'll be worth the wait. What about you, son? Oh, it's always worth the wait. I, I, I just, just tell me it's coming back. I mean, I think the hardest one was the the long break where you were like, is it ever coming back? Ever? And then it did. And now, I mean, it's like, if I can handle that, I can handle any other <laughs> short-term break. Um, and, and I know now that it's going to, I mean, I thought the recent episodes you know, this season so far has had some pretty amazing cliffhanger ones. I feel like this this means that cliffhanger is just going to have to be so good that when it happens, you're going to be like, oh, I got to wait how long until I see what's oh, OK, fine. But yeah, I'm I'm going to be there. I will be happily, you know, receiving that that next part. And I'll be like, yes, it was fine. It was worth it. I'm fine. This is my spring now, <laughs> and this is how I will be devoting my time to it. There will be allotments for this show. So, yeah, you know, I'm fine as long as you're bringing it back and not over a course of years. But, you know, within so many months, I'm going to be just fine. And I'm going to probably treasure all the episodes leading up to that break. Steve, how about you, my friend? Like you said, that wait after season two of Young Justice ended when we didn't even know there was ever going to be a season three, that was a wait. And then actually the wait between season three and, and season four has been a fairly hefty one, if we're quite honest. But hey, I'm not an amateur. I'm a comics fan. I've waited close to 32, close to 30 years 
for the last of uh, Sandman the Silver Age by Neil Gaiman and Mark Buckingham. So um, if I can wait 30 years for a comic, I think I can wait a few months for a TV show. I don't want to, but I will. And the fact that they'll probably drop all the episodes simultaneously and not have to wait weekly would be a plus, because binge TV is the future. Right, so that brings us to the end of our TV news. So we're going to take another quick break right now. We're going to pay some bills, find out about all the other wonderful shows that you fans can listen to, and then we'll be right back after this important word from our sponsors. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now... The third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the night. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two, one. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nerds. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. (laughs) Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. F***ers. And we have returned. And I will pass the baton on to... Bradman, take it away, sir. All right, now we're going to talk some comic book news uh, this week. Uh, up first is that uh, the writer of Anubia and the Amazons has canonized the existence of trans Amazons in the mascara. Uh, Seth, what was your take on this? I think it's such a great development. I, I think it expands for me, the possibility uh, behind the stories that they can tell with Nubia and the Amazons. And I think it also will give them an opportunity to to look back and potentially share some other great stories that maybe up until now wouldn't have been recognized in the same way and the value could not have been as 
understood as it can now. So I love what this means, not only for the present and the future, but also for some great opportunities in the past. I think it's also just a great example of how DC continues to understand what its value is when it reflects the world around us. And by reflecting the world around us so so clearly in comics, as they've done recently and as they've announced recently, I, I think it's going to remind us just how important comics have been to showing the world that we're seeing around us and that maybe isn't always captured uh, as quickly in media. But for comics, it seems to be one of those things where when it's done right and it says, hey, this is the world that we all live in. And here's an opportunity to understand parts of it that you might not connect with immediately, that you might not have first person interactions with, but that now you can. And through that, you can see the world around us and everyone who's in it that much more clearly. I, I think this is a, a wonderful development and I hope it is the continuance of so many more to come. Steve, what did you think, my friend? It's important and it needed to happen. The Mascara is a place for all women. It boils down to that line, all women. Nothing upsets me more or enrages me more than the blinkered, closed-minded views of some so-called fans, where they're saying this is just pandering to woke society or this is just um, bringing politics into comics where it doesn't belong. No, it's not. It's giving every comics fan a voice and someone to see on that page that is like them. For decades, comics fans as they were were represented in those comics but then new fans came along and they didn't see people like them in these pages they didn't see people like themselves on the screen and now thanks to dc and it's not a gimmick it's not a a, a push to get uh woke readers involved they said it in this interview this character isn't just the character who's transsexual for the sake of being transsexual they're an important part of the story they are a character that's gonna be there from start to finish so all you so-called fans who just want to read about guys with muscles beating up other guys with muscles and damsels in distress hey go and pick up some 90s image comics that'll suit you fine people who want to see the real world people who want to see real characters people who want to see real human beings whether they're super powered or not pick up Nubia and the Amazons please because it is and i say this all the time the best fiction because it holds a mirror up to society bravo dc don't let people tell you otherwise to all the fans who said oh no one's gonna pick up superman now that jonathan kent's come up as gay hey third print fourth print biggest selling issue in years put that in your pipe and smoke it so-called fans let's have the real world represented in our favorite fantasies. I'm going to get off my soapbox now because I think this story is wonderful. So, uh, yeah, uh, Brad, your thoughts, my brother. Yeah, uh, you guys, well said, both of you. Um, you're absolutely right. One of the great things about comics and superhero fiction in particular is that it's this wonderful mythology that can really reflect the world we're living in. It has to 
change and adapt and really, you know, reflect the changes that are going on. And, and, and Steve, like you said, with the representation, it is so important these days. And it is good that everybody now can have a, uh, a way to see themselves reflected in these characters, because that's what drew a lot of people to superhero comics in the first place, is that they wanted to see something of themselves in these heroes. And it's just uh, a great thing. And it, and it shows growth. Uh, you know, like you were saying, Steve, if you want to just have guys with muscles beating up guys with muscles and go to 90s image comics and oh man, there is so much more within superhero fiction than just the guys with muscles beating up guys with muscles and the people that just want that narrow reflection, they're doing themselves and the medium such a disservice. So, yeah, like like you said, bravo. Bravo, DC. Uh, I am really looking forward to seeing how you know this how that is reflected in in the story you know i think that yeah i think it's it's a really powerful statement from dc and one that needed to be done and moving on continuing with uh wonder woman news is that we got a preview look and some covers for uh wonder woman evolution one uh seth what do you think of this I think we are all seriously screwed if Wonder Woman suddenly left comics at any point because she's been saving our butts <laughs> left and right yeah. from, you know, death metal <laughs> and so much more. You're just constantly like, dude, man, it's a good thing we got Wonder Woman, seriously, and that she is just the amazing woman we can all aspire uh, to model our lives against i mean she can be that that wonderful example of of strength and compassion and man clearly it's something that has resonated on a cosmic scale when these as they are described somewhat deities decide that they need her help (laughs) and i can understand why like when things get a little bit rough when things get a little bit you know hazardous to say the least wonder woman's the person i'm going to be turning to I I love the images. I mean, there was some really great art that I enjoyed looking at, you know, just when when I was reading through this story. It was such a great example, a reminder of (laughs) just how powerful, how wonderful she really is. And um, I I love the fact that she's been out there in the uh, at the real sort of dealing with all those, you know, godlike situations and different uh, pantheons. But it appears, even though as much as we would love to have her on Earth right away, you know, she's going to have other things to do. <laughs> and, and this looks like a really great mini to check out. And I'm intrigued because it's another fun uh, world to explore. So I'm looking forward to it. And the art that I saw definitely makes me very excited to see what else is uh, something we can take a preview peek at in the near future. Steve, what do you think about my friend? Oh, man, this, this is this is just great. 2018 blew my mind with Superman's 80th anniversary celebrations. 2019, my boy Batman had his. 2020, we had the Joker, Robin and Catwoman. I was like in heaven. But this year, 2021, Wonder Woman's 80th anniversary, the amount of incredible material we've had hit the shelves is just been 
phenomenal the 100 page special the deluxe 80 year anniversary hardcover which is actually and i'm the biggest batman fan in the world i would actually say is my favorite of the 80th anniversary deluxe hardcovers so far because it literally goes from her first appearance right up to this year's future state immortal wonder woman story with a jen bartell art which is just to die for it's wonderful and now we've had wonder woman black white and gold and now this wonder woman fans never has there been a better time to pick up the adventures of this goddess this warrior for peace this icon this absolute legend of a character who every man should aspire to to be like and every woman can aspire to actually be this is just awesome this is the year of wonders this is the year of wonder woman happier 80th anniversary immortal wonder woman diana of themyscira we love you and uh, next year we'll also bring the final two issues of the wonder woman amazon story which if you don't if you guys have seen phil jimenez's art for the first issue um historia the amazon story um again wonder woman's anniversary may be this year but her adventures will continue next year and forever and i could not be happier about it amazing what about you brad yeah steve to quote kite man hell yeah to everything that uh, yeah that you just said uh the art and these covers look amazing um that preview page that fight looks pretty vicious i love the idea of wonder woman uh going in a cosmic direction i think that'll be a fun avenue to explore and yeah it's great to see all these wonder woman books coming out it seems like every week we have the announcement of a new batman series or a batman limited series or a graphic novel or you know it's all you know and we all love batman especially steve but it's nice to see wonder woman getting a lot of uh, exposure and uh, it's great to see dc going all out for her 80th because she is such an important character uh not only to comics but just in the world in general uh the character has never been more important so yeah I, i'm loving everything that dc is doing to celebrate the 80th anniversary and yes it is a great time to be a wonder woman fan and up next, uh, we also got a preview of the Gotham City Villains special. Uh, Seth, what do you think of this? Villains get a bad rap, and now they get a chance to shine. I, I love <laughs> a 100-page special, which is, let's let's be completely honest, it's totally D- DC's like forte market now. I mean... 80, 100 pagers, anthologies, when they collect just a wonderful assemblage of great characters, great stories. And they know they're working in this really tight uh, framework of how many pages and panels. And the stories, they just pop. I mean, Steve, as you were just mentioning, you know, Wonder Woman Black and Gold, Superman Red and Blue, Batman Black and White, uh, Harley. um, So many different comics that have recognized that if you put together these wonderful anthologies, whether they be the, you know, a smaller number of pages or the 80 to 100, they're just packed with so much goodness. Getting a chance to see a lot of fun stories from the villain's perspective and in, in the world of the villains, um, it reminds me of all those great things like Villains Unite and so many other great projects where it's fun 
for me to root for the villains. And this is a, a great example of, you know, maybe maybe they're never going to be the good guys, but you can still cheer them on and you can still love the fact that some of them might cross over to anti-hero status or, you know, blur the lines from time to time or, or just show us the kind of heart that exists, I think, in all of us, even our villains. Steve, what do you think, my friend? So happy. I mean, we, we talked about it ad infinitum. Nobody does an anthology like DC Comics and their 100-page anniversary specials, like I said, from Action Comics to Detective Comics to Robin, Catwoman, Joker, and now DC Villains, a 100-page anniversary. Because let's not forget, 2021 is the 80th anniversary of the first appearance of the Penguin from Detective Comics 58 in 1941. And... This issue, again, has got a story written by arguably the most iconic and well-known Penguin of all time, Danny DeVito from Batman Returns. I mean, what's there not to be happy about? Another anthology? Thumbs up. An anniversary anthology? Thumbs up. 100 pages? Thumbs up. Penguin's anniversary? Double thumbs up. Am I going to buy it? Yes. Have I got any money left? No. Who cares? I'm going to be reading a comic I love full of characters I love to hate. What could be better? than that brad what do you make of it oh man i i really don't know what cover i'm gonna get these covers because i usually only get one but this one i might have to get a couple i love the it's so cool seeing the danny devito penguin back in that cover i love that cover i mean oh man uh I just uh, love that cover. Uh, the Scarecrow cover is cool. And that Poison Ivy cover is gorgeous. So, yeah, I mean, all these covers look great. And I've always said that one thing that makes Batman such, well, I wouldn't say such, the greatest superhero, pretty much, is is the supporting characters and the villains. Uh, when I hear of a new Batman movie coming out, it matters more to me who the villain's going to be than who is playing Batman. That's how much I like Batman's villains. So they totally deserve this 100-page uh, book. And nobody does an anthology like DC. This started back with the um, the Walmart giant issues. And I, I remember hearing that those were coming out and being kind of bummed uh, that they were only available you know, at Walmarts. But... We've talked on this podcast about how much we love those and all those anniversary issues. You know, oh man, nobody does an anthology like DC. And I think this is going to be another one of those ones that's right up there with the Catwoman anniversary and, uh, you know, the Green Arrow anniversary that recently came out, things like that. So, yeah, I, I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to this. And we also got a preview and a little bit of news about the uh, Batman Catwoman special that's going to be coming out. And it's going to be a tribute to the late uh, John Paul Leon. Uh, Seth, what do you make of this? Man, it's a wonderful tribute. We should all, you know, be so lucky to find a place in our lives that when we you know, step away from this plane, that there's a little bit of work left that others can enjoy. And uh, I love this tribute. I love the the statement from Tom King. You know, it's taken a little bit longer, but it's because of why we're trying to do it, what we're trying to get right, why we want this to, 
to have the importance that we all feel working on it. The the art's phenomenal. Um, I love those glimpses that we get of those pages, and there is a there's a really it's a hard feeling to to look at someone's art and to know you can't have any more when that person goes, but you can treasure what they leave behind for you and what they want you to experience, not only in the present, but after they're gone. This is a really great example of a talented artist whose work is treasured. And um, I hope for all the fans who want to continue treasuring the work he created for us, for, for fans, that there is uh, one last bit of treasure to uh, go ahead, add to your collection, enjoy and reflect and respect a great talent gone too early. Um, and those of us here grateful to have one more reminder of just how talented he was. Steve. Yeah. Um, it, it was so heartbreaking to, to hear of his passing and oh, it's not the only one. We, we've lost a couple of artists this year, but while I was very disappointed that they initially postponed this issue indefinitely, the fact that his friends, his colleagues and other wonderful artists are stepping in, not just to finish a comic, but to pay tribute to John Paul Leon is just, it's something that as a comic fan, it just makes me feel happy about. I mean, you guys read comics back in the day. And one thing I do miss about modern comics is the old letters pages and the sense of family I got from those reading the comments from fellow readers. But this unification of artists coming together to finish telling this story and to pay tribute to their to their colleague, again, gives me that sense of family. And you guys give me that every week on this show that you're not just voices over the internet. You're my friends, you're my extended family because of this shared love we have of this wonderful medium and the stories it tells. So while this is a bittersweet story to end on, I'm so happy that it's happening and I see it as a late Christmas gift to every comics fan out there, particularly those fans of John Paul Leon, like you so beautifully said, Seth, to have that one last treasure to pick up and look at and enjoy and treasure. It's um, nobody lives forever, but these wonderful artists and writers kind of do because their work could be enjoyed for years, decades to come by fans picking these up from the first time. And hey, who knows, this comic that's coming in January may be someone's first and the one that makes them want to become a comic book artist. And then John Paul Leon's legacy will indeed be one that's everlasting. Uh, I, I love this story, even though it's heartbreaking. So, yep, I'll be adding this to my collection. This will fill my uh, Batman Catwoman bag. Really happy about this. What about you, Brad? Yeah, you know, when they announced that there was going to be that um, little bit of a hiatus between issues and that the special was going to be released, I was hoping that they would use that as a way to tribute uh, John Pollyon. And I'm glad that they're doing that. I think uh, I think he deserved it. And it does it does really show the strength of community uh, within 
the comics world and comics fans. Uh, you, you know, Steve, like you were saying, like you're, you think of us as your friends. I think of you guys as friends, not just somebody I chat with once a week on a podcast, you know, uh, and that is because of our share loved love of comics. And I think that is one thing that's very special about comics is that there is that sense of community and it is good to see that community showing support and paying tribute uh, to him when we lost him this year and it was such a tragedy. So yeah, I think that this is definitely something that I will be uh, picking up for sure. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a very, uh, very well done tribute. So yeah, I think that it's a good idea and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And that wraps up uh, episode 139 of the DC Comics News uh, podcast. Uh, but before we get out of here, uh, Seth, where can people find you online? You find me here. You find me at DC Comics News. You can find me writing reviews. You can find me on the podcast network hanging out with these two fine gentlemen or hosting the Spinner Rack, my top five pick from DC Comics each and every week. You can find me hanging out with the gang on uh, Mad Love. And really, this is the place. Should you choose to go on the Internet and, you know, sleuth, I won't stop you. But start here. Always start here. Hey, Steve, where can the good people find you, my friend? Absolutely. This is our first home. This is what brought us together to catch us here most weeks on the DC Comics News feed. Um, occasionally and hopefully on the finale of uh, Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. And on the show I do with Adam, my offspring, uh, I Am The Night, where we talk about Batman the Animated Series, a week-by-week -week breakdown of every episode and animated movie from that great show. To read my work, just type Steve J. Ray or Fantastic Universes into your search engine of choice, and that'll take you to my news, reviews, features, and interviews across DC Comics News, our sister site, Dark Knight News, CBR, and my own website, Fantastic Universes. But the easiest place to hit me up and chat to me about all things comic booky, sci-fi, or anything you're interested in that's cool just hit me up on twitter at elstevo el underscore s-t-e-e-v-o but bradmeister my bro where can the world find you well you can find me uh writing news reviews at dc comics news uh and you can find me on the mad love harley quinn podcast and you can follow me if you're so inclined on Twitter at FlickyB1. And as far as DC Comics News, you can find the DC Comics News podcast network that does include those wonderful shows that we've just mentioned. Uh, you can find us wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever that might be, you'll find us. And with that, we're going to wrap up with a saying that is something that everybody should be doing, and that is to read more comics. See you next week. <laughs>